Thank you, Sandra, for sharing your story of what God's doing in your life. I hope that as you continue to hear these testimonies that the Lord is continually kind of deepening in your heart, the desire to be involved in the work of God. The book of Jonah, one of the main lessons of the book of Jonah is that as God does his work through a missionary, sometimes his greatest work is in that missionary as well. And so, again, as we talked about last week, sometimes there's nothing like, a lot of times there's nothing like going and experiencing. To hear about is one thing, but to see it, to witness it, to feel it, it's a completely different thing. This week, um, I think pretty much everyone who's Going to school has either started or this week is the last week for one of our brothers, uh, Daniel, who's going to be going to Michigan Tuesday, so today, today's his last Sunday. Uh, most colleges have already started. <clears throat> Orange County uh, started last week. Seminole County started two weeks ago. Colleges are in session. Um, this week was the first week of school, uh, preschool for our little one, our big one, actually, um, but she's a little one. She's uh, Manny started preschool this week, and um, as many, uh, you know, many children that age did as well. She um, started attending school last week, and I don't know. I don't know if it's because she's starting school, but uh, she woke up about an hour before uh, she normally wakes up on the days that she was going to school. And she would wake up, and we tell her go back to sleep, and she said, "No, I can't go back to sleep. Uh, I'm awake. I want to go play. I want to do something." And we'd, ra- I mean, obviously, we'd rather have her wake up early than late for school because. Uh, we go to school. Um, I didn't. I didn't know this until the second day of school. But from eight thirty to nine o'clock, it's kind of when kids go and they play whatever they want to play with. And then nine o'clock is when school actually starts. I thought it started at eight thirty, so I was like rushing and speeding in order to get there by eight thirty. But um, Manny likes playing. She likes doing that that free play stuff. And so we're gonna get her there at, at by eight thirty, so that she can have that time to to mess around and hang around and do all that stuff. And um, to me, like I like to think that because she's so excited for school, <laughs> she can't sleep, and so she wakes up early in order to go because our excitement shows that we're preparing ourselves for something, right? If you're excited about something, then there's preparation that goes into it. You know, yeah, I mean, this is, you talk about this all the time. You go on a vacation, right? Sometimes you go on a vacation, get really excited. You start thinking about what am I going to wear? What clothes do I need to pack? What clothes do I need to buy? What things do I need to get? And we, we think about this because we're prepared for it. And if you're not prepared, then you can miss out on some great things, right? If you're not prepared, if you're not there on time, you can miss out. I get really excited for Sunday worship. And so Saturday, like I, I pick out my clothes. So I can't be late. I'm always thinking about what will I, here's my shirt, here's my pants, here's my belt, here's my socks, here's all this stuff. Because I don't want to be late on Sunday because this is exciting for me. I'm so, I, I want to be here. This is like one of the highlights of my weekend. And because I'm excited, there's preparation that goes into it. And if I'm not ready, then I can miss the bus or I can meet, miss the boat or I can miss the plane. I can miss the train. You can miss out on a bunch of things if you're not ready for something. And so that principle is true in the spiritual life as well. There are countless times in the Bible where Jesus wanted to do something in the lives of his people in a given area, in a given town, in a given country, but the people just weren't ready to receive him. And so Jesus says, I can't do miracles here. It happened in in the Old Testament. It happened in uh, certain villages in Jesus' hometown because they couldn't accept who he was. Their hearts weren't ready. Their hearts weren't open. And so Jesus passed them by. And as we have a revival and as we have retreat this weekend, as in a figurative sense, Jesus is going to be walking by I want to prepare us in order that Jesus doesn't just kind of walk on by and we miss out on what he has for us. 
But I want us to be the kind of people that stop Jesus where he is and say, Jesus, I want something from you. Would you give to me what you have? Countless times in the Bible, you see the opposite, that very thing happening, where Jesus is walking by, but the faith, the hunger, the preparation of a group of people or of an individual causes Jesus to stop and then to give them something that would forever transform their lives. It was a Syrophoenician woman who shouldn't have even belonged in that place who came up to Jesus and Jesus, can you heal my demon-possessed daughter? And she begs at his feet and Jesus says, I was sent first to the lost sheep of Israel. And she says, yes, I know, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the table of the children. Could you just give me a crumb? And Jesus says, never have I seen such great faith in all of Israel. And so he heals her daughter in that moment. There's a guy that comes down and meets Jesus and his disciples after the transfiguration. Jesus and Peter, James, and John are coming down from the mountain. And this guy comes falling at Jesus' feet. And he says, can you heal my son? I don't want you to walk by, Jesus. I know that you're coming, but can you heal my son? He's demon-possessed also. Can you do something about it? And Jesus sees him, and he sees his faith, and he heals his son that hour. Zacchaeus is is just so desperate. a, A little tiny man named Zacchaeus, hated by everybody because he stole money from all these people. And so nobody liked being around him. Nobody liked him. Everybody was pointing fingers at him. They hated Zacchaeus. Jesus was walking by and he said, you know what? There's one person that could give me what no one else in this world could give to me. His name is Jesus, but he couldn't see because he was like a sixth grader in the sea of Jason Bagley's. He couldn't see anything. And so what did he do? He climbed up the sycamore tree. And as Jesus is walking by, he saw the faith of this man and he stopped. And he said, Zacchaeus, I need to eat dinner at your place tonight. And Zacchaeus past, present, future, in one moment, were completely wiped out and changed. And when Jesus comes by, our lives can experience a transformation. And my heart and my desire is that as he comes and he meets with us this this weekend, that we would be ready and that we would stop Jesus where he is. And that he would see the excitement, the desire, the zeal in your hearts, and he would give you something that would leave you changed, that you wouldn't leave the place the same way that you were when you came in, like so many people in those crowds did, because they didn't realize that Jesus wanted to bless because they weren't ready to receive what Jesus had to give. And so today I want to read from Acts chapter 3. This is a passage familiar to those of you who were here last week. I'm going to read First Peter, I'm sorry, uh, Acts chapter 3, verse, uh, verses 11 through 20, the speech that Peter's giving. We're going to uh, read 11 through 20 just so, so that we can hang out in its context, but verse 19 is where we're going to Um, really focus in on as we did last week. Again, uh, Peter and and John have just healed a crippled beggar and people are coming and and they're questioning Peter and John about it. This is what um, Peter says to them in uh, Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 11. It says, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to the men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We're witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, 
But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. This is God's word. We're focusing on verse 19 again. It says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Last week, we looked at this idea of repentance, and we just saw one thing. We saw that repentance leads to revival. If you want a revival, it always begins with repentance. If you want revival, it has to run through the doorway, the process, the pathway of repentance. You can't have revival without repentance. can't have revival without repentance. You can't have new life without repentance. Right? So what is done by repentance? We uh, talked about how last week we, we kind of defined it as uh, when we confess our sins, we agree about what sin is. We agree with God. Okay, I, I, um, I stole this bottle of water from, uh, from David here. So I stole this bottle of water. And I might justify it and say, hey, you know what? I was just borrowing it. I'm going to replace it later. I'm borrowing it without his knowledge. I'm just, uh, I'm just uh, taking a little bit and I'll give it back. I can justify it all I want. When God looks at that, he looks at that as a sin. I stole from David. So repentance is saying, I agree with God about what that is. I stole from him. This was a sin. It's agreeing with God. It's changing our mind about that. And then it's turning back to God. Right? Turning back to God says, I turn away from sin and to God. So what that would mean, I would give this back. Maybe I would give him not only this back, but I'd give him a brand new bottle of water back. Hey, that's repentance, right? It's agreeing with God and it's turning around. And that is the first step. It's always, always the first step in revival. Anytime you want to see revival, there has to be an individual and a corporate turning away from sin and turning back towards God. That's the first step. The second thing, that, the second and third things I want to talk about, um, just what is a gift of repentance? What is a gift of repentance? This is what I want to talk about today in two things. The first thing is this repentance can make you clean. Repentance can make you clean. I remember talking with this uh, Vietnamese. Uh, he, was, he was involved in gangs here in Orlando, um, had done all kinds of stuff, uh, gang fights, wars, all kinds of things, uh, hurting people. He was... Um, all kinds of uh, sexual sin and immorality. And he was, he IM'd me one day. This was back in the days of IM. He IM'd me one day. He said, how can I be clean? I'm just, I'm running away from my past. I'm trying to get clean. I'm trying to get away from all these bad influences. But how do I get clean? I've asked all these people and they can't tell me how I can be clean. And imagine this. Imagine you have uh, this dream. Okay? You're, you're sleeping, right? like some of y'all are doing right now. Just kidding. You're sleeping. You have this dream. And in this dream, you're in this massive auditorium, right? It's as massive as the number of Facebook friends that you have. Okay? So you've got all these Facebook friends, and they're all there in this auditorium. Your family is there, right? Your, your children are there. Right? Your parents are there, your grandparents, your aunts and uncles. Everybody's there. And the lights in this auditorium go out, and a projector is shown up on the screen. And they start calling. Someone over loud, so you just call people's names. And you realize that there's a movie going on, right? In this place of dreaming, time goes by really quickly. So time is going by really fast, and all these things are happening as these movies are going on. And you notice people are running for the door, just shrieking, screaming, howling, crying, running for the door. But they're not allowed to leave. And then they call your name. Zoom in, Kim. 
the light comes on you, and bam, they call your name, Joshua Choi. Call your name, DL. We're up there. In that moment, you realize as you're watching this movie, this movie's all about me. And as you're watching this movie, you realize not only is this a movie about me, but it's a movie only about certain parts of our lives. It's a movie all about every sinful thing that we've ever done. And in the presence of all of your friends, they're showing these things. Things you did in, your, in that bedroom. Things you did in the bathroom. Things you did in the car. Things you did in the dark. Things you did in that closet. Things that you did that nobody else knows. But not only they show the things that you did, but the things that you looked at. The things that you said. They judge the motives and the thoughts of your heart. Talks about and shows a time when you're saying yes to your parents, but really you have these murderous thoughts in your head. You're, you're being kind to these people, but in your mind, it's just because you want to get something from them, get something out of them, because you see them as a commodity or as, as a dollar sign or something other than what they really are. And just as it gets that moment where you know what they're going to show, you know what they're going to show, that one thing in your life, the most shameful moment of your life, you don't want, no, don't go there. All of a sudden, you wake up. And you're like, good golly. And you realize it was all a dream, and then you run to the bathroom to wash your face, and then you realize it was worse than a dream. Because on your face are written every sin that you've ever committed, specifically. And the more you try and wash your face, the darker the marker gets on your face. And the sins that you've committed more are front and center like a scarlet letter all up in you. Right, this person is filled and flamed with lust. Right, this person is so sweet to other people, but really she's so the most judgmental, bitter person, angry, arrogant, proud person in the world. This person, everyone thinks that they're so pure because they're so quiet. But the things that they do when nobody's looking. And they're all written all over you. Now, as you walk out of your house trying to cover up all these things, they seep through your clothing and they're written all over you. And people are looking at you and they're, they're avoiding you because they know what you're thinking. They know what you've done. They know your past. They're scared of you because what you've done to other people, you might do to them also. And everyone walks away from you. They gossip about you. They talk about you. They say this person's lived a whole lot longer than everybody else. And they've got darker stains on them. Just filled with this anguish and the shame. Can't go to school anymore. Can't go to the store anymore. Can't go to, where can you go? And all of a sudden, someone comes to you and says, hey, you know what? I can tell you where you can go to get all this wiped clean. You want to go there? And you want to go to this place where all these things will forever be wiped out? You want to go to that place? You wonder, how is this, how is this possible? I, I've tried everything to get myself clean. How is it possible that I can be clean? Last year sometime, Manny started the transition from crayons to markers. And as she started using markers, we said to her, Manny, only on the paper, not on the table, not on the wall, not on Elijah, <laughs> only on the table, only on the, on the paper. That's it. Started doing this, and 
She doesn't have the fine motor skills that older people have, and so inevitably she got it all over her hand. And as she looked at her hand, she said, this one moment, she said, Daddy, it's all over me. Can you take it off? It wasn't really all over. It was all over her, but it was just a little thing because her hand is small. And so she's flipping out, and she's like, Daddy, it's all over me. And in my desire to try and assuage her, to try and calm her down, I licked my thumb, and I wiped it off. And she looked at it, and she's like, where did it go? And then I showed her my thumb, and I said, Nanny, the only way that you could be clean was because Daddy had to take the stain for you. The only way that we can be clean is because Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could be clean, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That he took our sin stains from us. Would you be, would you, would you want to know this kind of life giving, this stain cleansing power? The old hymn writer said, there's power in the blood. How much do I have to pay in order for this to be clean, wiped away from me? He's saying, Jesus paid it all. There's nothing that we have to pay. He paid everything. Do you realize that's why he died such a painful death? Because all of the sins of humankind was placed on him. It wasn't just a simple fix. It wasn't just, okay, I'll die and and just shoot me once and it's over in a second. Painful, torturous, the full extent of suffering because of the full extent of our sin being placed on him. The only way that our stains could be wiped out is because of what Christ has done for us at Calvary. Come for a cleansing in Calvary's tide. There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood to cleanse us and to free us from the guilt and the shame and the torment and the condemnation of your sin. Every sin on him was like, what sin do you think he can't wipe out? What sin do you think he can't wipe out? I know some of your sins. I know some of the things that you've done. That is all able to be wiped out, washed by the blood. Look at what it says, starting in verse 13. It says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. But look what he says. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate. Verse 14. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. They killed the son of God himself. But, G- but, but Peter's saying, look, if you repent, then your sins can be wiped out. Do you believe this? The most awful crime that anyone could ever do is to kill God himself. But the promise of verse 19 is if you repent for your sins, you could be made clean. Holy cow, it doesn't matter how many people you've slept with. It doesn't matter how many people you've killed. It doesn't matter how, many, how much uh, destruction has happened in your life or the lives of other people because of your drug abuse. None of that stuff is too big for the blood of Jesus to wipe clean. Do you believe this? Right? This is the power of the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Says there's a fountain filled with blood that washes even the vilest sinners, the deepest criminals, the hardened crooks. Only he can melt the heart of stone, can change the leper spots. This is Jesus Christ. 
His gospel is available to all because repentance can make you and me clean. Man, there are things in my life that I'm, I'm ashamed to talk about. There are things in your life that you're probably ashamed to admit. But none of these things is beyond the cleansing fountain of Calvary's tide. Jesus Christ took it all for you. What a, when, 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 when he uses this language in verse 19 of your sins may be wiped out, here's, here's what they're reading. This language of being wiped out, when you write in, in, in the biblical times, they didn't write as a pen on paper. They wrote with ink on papyrus. And ink in those days didn't have the acid that our ink has today. So it doesn't sink into the page. It just stays on top of it. So all you need to do is take a wet sponge and you could wipe that thing, scrub that thing, and you can wipe that thing clean. Never, ever, ever the contents of that page to be brought up again. And that's what he's saying here. Your sins can be wiped clean like that. Not just forgiven, but forgotten. Not just a big X over them, but forever wiped out so that when in that place, that video of your life is being shown, they push play on that video and there's nothing but a blank screen. Because everything you've ever done, past, present, even your future sins have been nailed to the cross and Jesus has wiped those out clean, never to be remembered Again, there is no video for your life if your life is in Christ Jesus. If you've repented of your sins, you've turned to Jesus, you've put your faith in him to be the savior and the master of your life, there's no more need for a tape to be played. There's no condemnation, Romans 8.1. For those who are in Christ Jesus, no condemnation for any of your past, present, future sins or mistakes. When you understand that freedom, when you understand that joy, sets you free in a new kind of a life. Two years ago, at our R&R weekend, one of our brothers, Josh, Josh Shin, turned away from his sin and gave his life to the Lord. And he'd been working, God had been working in his life for, for a period of some time, and he would confess and talk about this with his house church, what God is doing. And he went up there this one night of the revival, and he said, I don't know what I'm up here for, but I want Jesus in my life. And his life was changed. I remember, uh, I don't know if, if Josh, you remember this, but, but sometime afterward, uh, it was like a week or so later, we're singing this song at church, and he said, man, this one song we were singing, I am free, and I am free to run. I am free to live. I'm free to sing. I'm free to dance for you. He said, I just wanted, I just felt this free. I just wanted to run and dance and jump and sing. And you know, Josh doesn't do that normally, right? He's just an even-keeled kind of a guy. He said, I just want, just knowing this freedom, being clean, and I just wanted to jump and run and, and be free because of the freedom in Jesus. That's what happens when we know the cleansing of, of Jesus, the cleansing fountain of Jesus. This makes us want to run and to sing and to dance, and, and there's fruit in his life. He, we were just talking yesterday, just shooting the breeze, and he just said, matter-of-factly, yeah, you know, I, I sit with my kids, my family, and, and Monday through Thursday, every, every night, we just sit in a circle, and we do Bible time. We read the Bible, we pray together. And his family is getting, his kids are getting. And one day they're going to ask, Daddy, tell us your story. He's going to tell the story of how he used to be in darkness, used to be in sin, but Jesus changed his life. And set him free and made him clean. And there's a reason to live and to run and to sing and to dance and to jump that this world knows nothing about. This is freedom that Jesus wants to give to every single one of us. And some, many have tasted it. 
but others still waiting. And Jesus waits. He paid for everything in order that we might have it, that we might be free. And here's the first thing, that when we repent, we can be made clean. The second thing, repentance, repentance can lead to refreshing, right? can lead to times of refreshing. Verse 19, same thing. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. When we repent, times of refreshing can come from the Lord. When we, okay, understand this, as a child of God, once you put your faith in Jesus, your sins are forever wiped out because of the cross. You don't repent in order to be forgiven again. Here's what that would mean. I repent for, if, if it's true that we repent in order to be forgiven, then if you die without having repented for those sins, then you're lost in your sin. That's not, the, that's not the teaching of Scripture. Teaching of Scripture says when you repent once and for all, put your faith in Christ, your sins are forever wiped out. Why do we repent then as Christians? Because we've already been forgiven. And we have that, that, that confidence that my sins are already wiped clean. I repent in order to restore the joy of salvation then. It's his kindness now that leads us to repent. We've already been forgiven. Therefore, we go back to him in repentance. Right? In turning to God and agreeing and saying, that's sin. I don't want that sin. I turn away from that sin. Because here's what sin does. We have this relationship with God. It will never be changed if we've put our faith in him. What sin does is it cuts the string of our relationship with him, in, in, so to speak. So that fellowship is disrupted. Right? The intimacy with God is disrupted. But repentance is just basically taking that string and tying that knot where we get closer and closer and closer to God. It restores this fellowship with him. In every relationship, sin ruins that fellowship. If, I, if uh, Pastor Albert and I get into an argument and there's sin blocking us, then our fellowship is going to be messed up because there's sin blocking the way. Our relationship is not going to change. We'll always be brothers for life. We'll always be friends. But if there's sin, unless that sin is confessed and repented of, then something's going to be blocking our fellowship. This is true in every relationship. Your mom and dad with you, right? Or you with your kids, if they've done something wrong or if you've done something wrong, something will always be blocking that fellowship. They're not going to disown you. They can't disown you. Same thing with Olivia and me. If I've done something wrong, she's not going to run away from me. We're always going to be married. But the reality is that our fellowship has been disrupted until I realize that I need to come clean about certain things and say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I, I was angry or I, I, I said something I shouldn't have said or um, you know, whatever that might be. Until I confess and I turn, I agree with her about that sin and I turn away from it towards her, then our fellowship is always going to be disrupted. Maybe that's why some of us as followers of Christ don't live in the glorious freedom and the joy of the gospel that we sing about. You need a time of refreshing in your life, Christian, child of God. Feel like your heart is a dried up, cracking, just dried up sponge, just needing some refreshing in your life. Feel like the songs that we sing, maybe at certain points of it, they, they stir your heart, but the rest of them don't really connect with you anymore. Maybe you need a time of refreshing. Where does refreshing come from? It's here, repentance. Right? Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. 
Do you need a time of refreshing? I think the reason why so many of us, so many Christians in our culture, profess great things for God, but don't have the spiritual depth is because we want the rejoicing without the repenting. We want the refreshing without the repenting. What is that? What is that? Here's, here's what I mean. A lot of times, so every month we have communion. And every month we have communion. It's this one time where we see visualized in the one way Jesus says, remember the gospel. This is powerful moment where we come and and when people understand it in all of its depth, like they begin to shed tears, they begin to weep. They're moved in their heart, filled with gratitude. And so you know that the first of every month, we have communion service. Why? So that through the week you can spend time in repentance, so that you can appreciate more fully the work that was done at the cross that's shown in the elements. Next week we do this. We give an extended period of time to confess our sins, to repent right before communion. But that's not enough for us to really get deep down and to understand. Why? I'll explain it this way. Every, uh, Every Sunday, our cleaning team goes through and they clean up each of the rooms. They vacuum. They do all this stuff. But once a month, they do a deep cleaning. Just deep cleaning, getting out all of the stuff. They go in a thorough check throughout all these places. And what I'm proposing is that in order for there to be a joy and a refreshing, the joy of salvation, we have to do a deep cleaning. Let me put it another way. Several years ago, my dad, a bunch of our family went to Korea. And my dad went to one of these like public bathtubs and he had someone take this hard, crusty sponge and rub it until all the dried skin came off. And it took them forever and a day to do it. My dad came out and he was like glowing. Right? Looked like he was on the mountain of transfiguration, saw Jesus face to face coming down from Mount Sinai. He was like, I was like, yeah, you have a good time. He's like, it was excellent. I was like, why? It's like for 15 years, I hadn't had my skin scrubbed. I was like, that's enough. Thank you. <laughs> but for many of us, it's been a really long time since we've let the light of the Spirit shine over our sin. And to do a deep cleaning of our hearts. Right? Sometimes my fellowship with Olive is off. I, I, I tell these are the things I did wrong. And, and she might still be like, well, so I, I don't know. I was like, what did I do? What You need to tell me. And so she tells me, I'm like, oh, okay. Dude, I'm a bum. I'm sorry. I, forgive me, please. The same way, we, need to, we think we know what sins we've committed. But when's the last time we took some extended time to just sit in and ask the Spirit of God, shine a light on me? Show me the ways that I've been offensive to you. And then just one by one, not just in general, God, I'm proud. God, I'm lazy. God, I'm these, but just specifically. God, I'm a hypocrite because I told my friends to do this, but I don't do it. Have mercy on me. I turn away from that. I agree that's sin. God, have mercy on me because I yelled at my parents. And though I told them, I gave them my outward obedience, my heart was not right towards them. God, have mercy on me because as a parent, I was so impatient with my kid and really my desire to get my kid right is an inability to get my life right and I've been projecting my anger towards myself upon my child. Forgive me, have mercy on me, cleanse me, wash me, renew me, shine the light so that the joy of salvation might be restored in my life.
And some of my most intimate encounters with God have been me asking for nothing but just sitting and asking God, show me the depth of my sin. And again, I did this a couple weeks ago at, at a retreat up in Virginia, just for myself, just spending time repenting of all of my sins and asking. I, I just invited other people to do that. And as they did that, as people came up and they talked to me and asked for prayer, they would say, you know what, I just feel this new joy in my life, this new freedom in my life, just the beauty of repentance. Why? What is it about repentance? Here's what it is. If you think you've only committed three sins in your life and you come to the communion table, then you're going to think that Jesus is big enough to cover three little sins. But to the degree that you realize when I sit there and I repent of my sins, an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, I realize, holy cow, I am jacked up. But when I realize how messed up my life is, how messed up my heart is, how deceitful, how sinful my heart can be, and I realize that in that big old sinner, there's a bigger grace for me. Then grace becomes bigger. Do you understand this? The bigger you're a sinner, the bigger sinner you recognize yourself to be, the bigger savior you're going to recognize Jesus to be, and the better the good news is going to be for you. And some of us, we don't think we're that bad. Because we're just like, I'm not that bad. Yeah, I do a little bit of, of, of lust here. I do this a little bit, but not that bad. Yeah, I'm a little bit arrogant, and I cuss a few times. I've cheated on an exam, but that's about it. We think, well, that's not too bad. Don't we think Jesus is just this little dude? Jesus paid it all, 50 cents. That's it. That's all my sins cost. The more you realize you're a sinner, the more you see that the light of the gospel shines on your sin. This is what Calvin said. If you see yourself as a big sinner, you're going to see Jesus as a big savior and it's going to cause you to live in big obedience to him. But if you think of yourself as a little itty bitty sinner, Jesus, a little itty bitty savior, then that's not going to, not a love so amazing, so divine demands my soul, my life, my all. Might demand my Sunday morning, that's it. Maybe one quiet time a week. That's why, man, repentance is the pathway to refreshing, the joy of salvation. We just ask the Lord, God, search me, O God, and know my heart. Put that spotlight of your utter holiness over me. And as that shines over my life, I realize the reason I give to people is because I want them to like me. The reason I sing is because I want to feel good about myself, not because I want to feel good about you. The reason I say I want to give my life to you is because I'm really doing it to fulfill some void in my life that makes me think that I'm not worthy. And as we begin to see these things in our lives, we begin to realize that God in Christ has forgiven all of these things. And if you knew that you could be clean and that you could be refreshed, wouldn't you go there every day? Wouldn't you go there as much as you could? A few years ago, we were in the Dominican Republic, and we had done a, a morning, a hot Dominican morning of ministry. We're sweating. We're just, we, we all broke up and came back into our groups, and we're debriefing this time, just talking about it, different people going up sharing about what our experience was like. How can we pray for you? How can we pray for people that you ministered to? And everyone just had this like cake of sweat over them and it was just nasty and some were dirty. Kids like uh, wiping their, their stuff coming out of their nose all over their, their bodies and feeling nasty. 
the only thing that any of us wanted to do was just kind of go away and air conditioning was broken, the power was out, so the fans were not blowing. It was just it was hot air just being kind of trapped in that place and dirty, smelly, tired, weary, doing all this stuff. All of a sudden it started to rain. It started to rain. And there are these three guys in there who said, you know what? I'm hot and I'm dirty. And I know where I could go to find refreshing. And even though everyone else was still in that place, they said, look, if it's possible for me to get this. Hey, listen, if it's possible for me to be clean and if it's possible for me to be refreshed, then I'm not going to stay in here and hang out when it's when it's available to me. And they knew that there would be great cost to their actions, but they said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to that place, and I'm going to get clean. And I'm going to be refreshed. And they went into that place, and you could hear the childlike joy when they found that freedom. Listen, there was a price to be paid, for sure. But that same fountain is open for you and for me every moment of our lives. And you don't have to pay the price. Because the price has already been paid. So what if today your life could be changed? That you could be set free from your past, from your condemnation, from your shame. You could be set free and made clean. Wouldn't you go there? What if you could be refreshed? Your dry, cracking, broken, sad heart could be refreshed. Wouldn't you go to that place? See, repentance is not only necessary for this weekend, but it's necessary for us now. You see, death entered when sin took the place of God, but life entered when God took the place of sin. And at the cross, Jesus Christ died and he hung for you and me and for our sin so that life Cleansing, refreshing, the fountain wide open for you and for me. And it stands available to you. He says, would you come, wash, renew, be restored, be refreshed in the life-giving fountain of the blood of the Lamb. Let's pray together. Let's take a moment to think about our sins. Maybe um, we recognize the sin in our lives right now is readily We think about ways in which we've turned away from God and he's calling us to agree with him over that sin and come back, come back to me now. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord. If you're not a follower of Jesus, say, God, I confess my sins to you. I am that person whose nightmare is to see my life thrown up there. If you're a follower of Jesus, you knew once the joy of salvation, but you don't know that right now. Your heart needs refreshing. Let's come, let's repent of our sins. Let's repent. Let's come before the Lord. The praise team comes up. Let's confess our sins. Let's agree with God. Ask Him, wash me, cleanse me, renew me. Let's pray for just a minute like that together. Asking the Lord, search me, Lord. Show me my sin. I want to be refreshed. I want to be restored. I want to be renewed in you. Come, Holy Spirit.
As we pray, let's just be honest with the Lord. Be honest with yourself. Just be honest with Him right now. For a minute, let's pray, laying these sins down before the feet of Jesus. As we're here this morning, I want to give an invitation here. This invitation, as you know, with our eyes closed and as we pray, simply put, it's an invitation for you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. We have a lot of new people in here the last two, three weeks middle schoolers, high schoolers, college, married folks, singles, wherever it might be. And, at least want to give you an opportunity to respond if you're in here and you're not a follower of Christ. You recognize that you do have sin in your life and sin is any violation of the law of God. We may not know how to define it, but we know what they are. The Bible tells us that the wages, right, the price that we earn, what we earn for our sin is death. But he says the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The only way we could be with God in heaven and experience Him on earth is we're perfectly holy and sinless. But none of us are that. So Jesus Christ lived the life that we failed to live. And then at the cross, He died the death that we should have died. When we all stand before God, it's just two options. One, He'll say, will you take the punishment for your sins? Or in your life, did you put your faith in Jesus to be your substitute, to be your sacrifice, to take the place for you? The only way that we get in heaven is if we trusted in what Jesus has done, the provision that God has made. So maybe you're here today. Maybe you're a sixth grader. You just came up last week. Maybe you're new. You're a guest. And you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you've been coming to church your whole life, but if you're to die today, you don't know that you'd be in heaven because your sins have not been forgiven, because you've not put your your faith, not your parents' faith, your faith, not your grandfather who was a pastor's faith, but your faith personally. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says that there's still judgment waiting for you. If you believe that Jesus took your punishment, you want to put your faith in him now. It's going to invite you to raise your hand where you are. Everyone's eyes are closed, but if that's you, just raise your hand where you are. I'm not going to call you up here or anything. I want to have all of us pray a prayer together. If that's you, just go ahead and raise your hand from where you are. I don't know if there's anyone like that here, but thank you. See you, brother. Got you. Anyone else? Just feel like, yeah, I need Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. I want him to be the forgiver of my sins. Thank you.
whether you uh, today raise your hand or not. I just want to invite us into a prayer together. You just pray this in your heart. And this is the things that we need to believe in order to be a child of God. There's at least a couple people that raise their hand here, but maybe there's some in their seats. Um, for the sake of all of us who are putting our faith in Christ, it's going to ask us to repeat a prayer after me. Um, you could pray it out loud. You could pray it quietly in your heart. You just pray it with honesty, with sincerity. Just pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry for hurting you. I have sinned. I've hurt other people too. I've hurt myself as well. Thank you that you came. You lived a perfect life. You died on the cross for me. I believe you did that for my forgiveness and my restoration so I could be with God now and forever. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Help me to live how you want me to live. Help me to love you because you loved me first. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And as we uh, just continue to pray for just another minute, let's, the rest of us, just continue to confess before the Lord God. Lord, I need you. Just continue to, to repent, to surrender certain sins before the Lord. Believe that God's joy could be in this place even now, in this short moment, as we begin to surrender certain sins over to Him. We turn away from them and we turn towards God. So just take a moment right now, just a, a brief moment, just wrestling with our hearts, asking God, shine a light, spirit of conviction, show me my sin, in order that this process of restoration of refreshing may begin here and now. So let's pray. Let's pray for a few moments right now. Father in heaven, thank you for these precious lives, these souls who have said that we're tired of being a prodigal. We're tired of running into the far country. We're tired of eating the pig slop of this world. And God, I, I want to come back to you. So Father, as these folks have made their decision to turn away from sin and to run towards you, may they know the embrace of the Father. No excuses are necessary. No explanation necessary. You wrap them in your arms of love. 
May they know the intimate embrace of the Father and the cleansing fountain of the blood of Jesus. And for all of us in here, Father, we pray that you would help us to restore, you would restore in us the joy of our salvation through the path of repentance. Help us that each of us would make some kind of a commitment to say throughout this week, Lord, I will move into a period of repentance in order that my heart might be ready for the revival that you desire to do in my heart and God willing in our church and in our area and in our world. So Lord, make me ready. Help me to spend that time with you this week. To go there often, to go there boldly, at the same time go there humbly. We thank you so much. We need you. We love you because you've loved us first. Pray all these things in Jesus' name.